win tonight by the Bulls puts them ahead of the Raptors in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and now a ball was thrown the length of the court by Lowry, and he just got thrown out of the game. So, my friends, that video sums up the last two weeks for the Raptors. It was the sound of Kyle Lowry getting technical foul for simply passing the ball to the ref just a little too fast. The Raptors have a grand total of zero wins in March, and we're recording this on the 15th of the month. Halfway through the month, no wins, dropping to 11th place in the East, and more importantly, there still seems to be no sign of the COVID hit trio. It's just been loss after loss after loss. Five in a row, and I think that's the first ever time we've had zero wins um, between episodes throughout. Surely not ever since the start of the podcast. Absolutely ever. The Raptors have always at least won one. They've always given us a little sliver of hope between episodes. But this time, there's just oh, nothing wow. to say. I mean... I think, I don't know if, who listened to the last podcast, but I concluded it with, I hope the Raptors are going to play some basketball because otherwise I'm not going to know what to talk about. Unfortunately, what they did is they got on the court. Um, you see the likes of Harry Ellenson, uh, former Detroit Piston first round pick, a familiar yeah, story. Yeah, I remember him. Um, somehow seeing 20 minutes a game and, you know, when that happens, you know you've got an issue. Because at the minute, Toronto are playing like a bottom feeder team. They're playing like a lottery side. And I think there's no better thing than to get straight into it. Veraldo, we're going to start with the positives, right? Apart from the COVID positives, yes. Nice. Well, relating to that, of course, for those of you who are perhaps living in a cave of some sort, Van Vliet, OG and Siakam have been out since 26th of February. Usually the COVID timeline is you have to isolate for 10 days uh, and you have to test twice negative in that time. Mm -hmm. CDC regulations in the US may have changed a little, but you would have expected them to be back by now, nonetheless, seeing as they're either contact tracing or tested positive on the 26th. Mm -hmm. um, but it's now stretching up to coming up to three weeks and what should have been a return after the All-Star break was has suddenly turned into an absolute Raptors nightmare and perhaps at the worst time for Masai Ujiri with the trade deadline coming up but before that I want to just remind everyone where we left off before we started um, well at the last episode there had just been two straight wins against the Milwaukee Bucks they'd also beaten Philadelphia they'd beaten Houston and in another game against the 76ers and Miami, they kept it very tight till the end. And I remember in the last episode we recorded, I was talking about the winning mentality, the grinding mentality of this Raptors team who will never get blown out whatsoever. But the first game after the All-Star break, of course, a break in which for the first time in seven years, we saw no Toronto representation with the yeah. exception of uh, flying ant Afeni Simons wearing Tracy McGrady jersey for the dunk contest. Shout out Tracy. Mm -hmm. We saw a team getting blown out by the Detroit Pistons, led by Dwayne Casey, of all people. 
And um, Varel, I'm not sure if you caught the North London derby yesterday. Of course, our British listeners will be very aware. But it's like if Thankfully you're an Arsenal, not, Kamel. If, Thankfully not. It's like if you're an Arsenal fan and you get beaten by a Tottenham side managed by Jose Mourinho. It's just a double blow there. You just got a coach you despise. Uh, of course, Casey was a legend for the Raptors, but those comments he made after have put him in, have, have taken all the love out of our hearts for Casey. And Kamel, Detroit. Kamel, why, why have you doubled my humiliation? The Raptors <laughs> are having a dreadful stint. Tottenham are having a dreadful season. I'm not a big fan of sports at the moment, Kamel. I'm not even sure why I'm doing the podcast. I'm miserable when it comes to the sporting front. The thing with these injuries, I have read that it's still another couple of games that they're going to be out. So it must be something, like you said, to, with uh, relation to the protocol, because if it's not, then it is very worrying. Maybe those guys are suffering some sort of medium to you know long-term effects. I, I don't know if you've read about... Uh, well, I don't want to speculate too much about what uh, COVID symptoms they have, but uh, there are a lot of young people who've had um, a very wide range of symptoms especially including uh, fatigue which obviously would be absolutely terrible for sports people um so yeah well let's just hope it's not that let's just hope that uh it's the doctors maybe being um too careful and too cautious which is uh probably something that's been said for the first time during this pandemic but um yeah let's hope it's nothing more serious than that well, we know that other players have really struggled to come back. T- Jason Tatum, of course, took a long time to get back to his best. Carl Anthony Towns, similar issue. And then there was a story yeah. of Portland's Nasir Little, who's lost, I think, 20 or 30 pounds when he was out with COVID. Really? And Didn't he's taken that. ages to, to get back to, to mm. what he normally plays like. So it's difficult to, you know, we talked about you have to stick out 14 days. But then again... You know, I uh, I got COVID myself, and this is just purely anecdotal. But you know, you're not you're not back to your physical best for a long time, right? And I did, no. you know, I wasn't even with long hit with long COVID, luckily. So mm. players players will get hit by it, and it'll take a mm. while to come back. So I I I do empathise with it, and you know, if they're being careful, they're being careful. But it's 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 a yeah. worrying thing that so close to the trade deadline, so close to a quite very important stretch in terms of playoff seeding. You're definitely not yeah. going to see the best of Siakam, Van Vliet, or Oji. So it's a difficult one. And um, we saw that really straight away, as we said, in the game against the Detroit Pistons. 129-105. And that was mainly down to Wayne Ellington, of course. Um, he's been pretty good from three this year, admittedly. You know, he's not, he's not a bad player in himself. But Detroit... Are a horrible, horrible side. Um, a 10 and 25 record at this point. But Wayne Ellington turned up 8 from 11 from behind the arc. He was ably supported by, um, I, I, I hate pronouncing his name, but it's, is it Mikhailuk? Svi Mikhailuk? Yeah, I'm not going to try. Uh, I, yeah, sorry. Much, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, apologies if I butchered that. But again, 5 from 9 from behind the arc. Magruder. Four from six. And uh, yeah, Detroit overall shooting 20 from 41 from three. Uh, unsustainable numbers, especially when you got the Raptors on the other side shooting 12 from 36. So it was, was a difficult Jeremy game. Grant playing in that game, Kamel? He wasn't even playing. Josh Jackson, wow. Jeremy Grant, Delon Wright, all out. Uh, and he still oh, got blown out by, yep, by one of the worst Detroit sides, um, I guess, in, in, the, last, time, in the last couple they of lost- decades. Yeah, losing Blake as well, yeah. 
Um, so one thing I did want to bring up actually is, you know, with these three players out, it there is there is a couple of positives to take, and one of them is for a franchise and a coach that prides itself on the depth, on the you know the next man up philosophy. The has been for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. If finally mm-hmm. giving a players like Utah Watanabe minutes, Stanley Johnson, yes. every, getting the minutes, podcast favorite. Oh yeah, and um, let me tell you, they did not take advantage. They were. God damn <laughs> awful, man. Watanabe, I mean, he started the game, his first NBA start. Everyone was so proud of him going into it. And he just he just flopped. He only played 11 minutes in the end. Um, 0 from 3 from the field. A couple of rebounds. Um, just, just ineffective on the floor. You had Terrence Davis, who had been on a really good shooting streak in that solid run, you know, against Milwaukee and Philly prior to the All-Star break. He's totally mm-hmm. lost it. He was two from 11 from the field. Um, and, you know, players like Aaron Baines continue to be serviceable. But have a look at the box score and you see a combined minutes from Bembry, Stanley Johnson and uh, Paul Watson. He's been playing a number of minutes. Um, that's combined 62 minutes. Uh, 0 from 7 from the floor, 0 points and minus 37 combined uh, on the plus minus. So... It's not really a case of them taking any sort of advantage um, of the opportunities there, and really, it was mm. it, it it was a sign of things to come. Everyone thought, you know, maybe they'd bounce back, but it was a sign of things to come. Um, Kamel, just uh, there is one thing to maybe ask here. Do you think it's possibly due to the fact that you're playing within a system where Fred Van Vliet to be what? Well, from what we've seen from him, he has been by far and away the primary playmaker this season. I mean, Larry, uh, we talked about um, his role starting for the team and his role coming off the bench, but he was very much the seen as the second playmaker this season. So when you lose the playmaking of Van Vliet, when you even lose the playmaking of uh, Siakam, because uh, there were a number of plays uh, more so towards the latter stages of the season when Siakam focused in the post, where... Siakam would bump down his man in the post and if he doesn't get that short he would kick it out to uh, who would uh, the person who would more than likely be open from the three point line Um, so yeah you lose two players there who are important to the playmaking aspects for this team so perhaps um, you know with Lowry having to take that primary role not to say that Lowry isn't certainly capable of that but it's an adjustment that the team would need to make and uh, yeah potentially because you're not you know yeah I basically made my point there because the the team aren't really used to it they don't see the same level of playmaking maybe it's difficult for those players especially because they're not used to getting those types of minutes and playing those types of roles to really you know shine and uh, prove their worth to the team yeah that last point especially you know you're not if you're a Paul Watson, you're not going to expect to get 22 minutes in any game this season, right? You're only going right. to play yeah. the 905 and garbage time. So yeah, we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt for this game, right? And uh, you mentioned Kyle Lowry, of course, taking on the playmaking mantle. Uh, he's averaged more than 10 assists a game. He's been really, really good in terms of diming. And that, of course, that's been one of the few positives. And don't worry, we're going to sprinkle in a few positives amongst all this negativity this episode. Um, mm. Bembry, of course, who even played as the main playmaker with Van Vliet and Lowry playing off-ball when everyone was healthy. 
Um, he hasn't been too bad on the playmaking front. I know he said he got zero points, but he was a second top assister in that game with five. Um, so he he can he can do a job there. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we move on to the next game now. It was Boston, and of course, a Boston team, a Brad Stevens team, which always seems to outwit uh, Nick Nurse. Um, <laughs> you necessarily don't want to yeah. play. Of course, this time it was to be Sergio Scariolo's um, final game in charge. Uh, he went into this one and one. Could he end up? as one of the few Raptors coaches with a winning record. He could have if he'd uh, just squeezed it out against Boston. But unfortunately, it was the second night, I believe, of a back-to-back. Uh, and they just ran out of gas in the end. This was a very positive performance. Uh, it was something that I could see, okay, now the bench players are turning up. Uh, and let's uh, I told you I want to spring some, sprinkle some positives. Chris Boucher, this game. In fact, Chris mm-hmm. Boucher this whole month. He went through a little bit of a dud, right? Uh, towards late January, early February. Uh, he wasn't really getting minutes. Baines was being favoured. Of course, this was partly down to Baines playing extremely well. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. Boucher losing his effectiveness, especially against Biggs. Um, and as we talked about before, um, more in relation to Siakam, Boston have a lot of very stocky Biggs. You know, even someone like Tristan Thompson, you don't necessarily want to go up against. Although, I don't know if you saw last month, uh, him facing Zion was extremely funny to watch. It's the first time I've really seen him oh, yeah, 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 physically yeah. dominated by, by Bad someone. Is, yeah. um, but yeah, okay, someone like also Robert Williams, let's not forget Sami Olajayi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but Boucher turned up and, uh, you know, his nickname, Trebuchet, his shooting style, um, going five from nine from beyond the arc, 30 points, leading the Raptors in scoring. And overall, um, I don't think anyone would complain about the performance. Okay, the result, not what you wanted. But if you're facing a Boston team without your three best players and they just squeeze past you, you know, Tatum having to play 37 minutes, Jalen 34, Walker 34, um, you've, you've really pushed them to the edge. And in this kind of season, that's what you can expect and want. Um, yeah. And again, so, so there's a little bit of positivity coming at this point, right? Uh, people are saying, okay, maybe... The other players will return in a couple of games, uh, just holding your own. And it was actually Nick Nurse who said during this stretch, all he wanted to do was just not fall too far behind. You know, he wanted to just maintain those lower seeds. So at this point, the Raptors were still hanging around an eight seed. Things were looking all right. And then came, I think, the ultimate dagger, which has summed up the Raptors' luck. Well, aside from that Kyle Lowry technical. And that was the, facing the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, of course, Hawks, oh. not a bad side, right? They're a side who I personally, I pick them to be the dark horses of the league. You know, they've got... Yeah, no, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't quite there, but I understood why. Yeah, they got second year Trey Young, you know, surrounded by some good shooters. Yeah, um, I just thought the defense wasn't there for that too. And um, that's fair yeah, enough. Offense, and yeah, that's fair enough. And, and to be honest, the Raptors, of course, came closest against this team. And hmm. for a long time, with four minutes left, sorry, with six minutes left, they were 14 points up. And they then did not score a basket for the next four minutes. And they just allowed Atlanta right back in it. But that wouldn't have mattered because Norman Powell, another positive, of course, has had plenty of 30-point games during the stretch. Um, and I think it should be a starter when the team comes back especially if Lowry is traded as we will go into later he went ended up missing two crucial free throws right it was 120 118 at the time 
Uh, he could have put the game well out of sight, but no, mm. he won't. So Atlanta go up the other end. The Raptors have conceded 118, but they've played defense pretty well throughout mm. this. They end up triple teaming Trey Young in the end, which not and and he's basically stuck in that mid range area. But because he's shorter, he can't shoot over the likes of Stanley Johnson, and he's being blocked by the other two players, seemingly blocking all their passing lanes. But of course, there is one guy on the court who, rightly or wrongly, the Raptors decide to leave open. He is the man that puts up that very famous 0-0-0-0-0 scoreline in 28 minutes. The guy who just plays to get some cardio. Tony <laughs> Snell. And my God, when the ball went into his hands, I think everyone knew. I think Nick Nurse knew. I think Lowry knew. They had made a huge mistake. Because this guy chose this one day not to get memed on. And if you want to sum up the Raptors' luck, it's getting beat, getting consigned to your third loss in a row to a Tony Snell buzzer beater at home. And, I mean, I don't think anyone listening, any Raptors fans listening, want to know more about this game. Because it was so promising for three and a half quarters. You know, there was a comeback. The Hawks were 16 points up. The Raptors turned that round like a 30-point swing, right? And then just, you know, wet the bed for the last six minutes. And if I'm honest, they fully deserve that. And one would have hoped that this lit a fire up, up the behinds of uh, this Toronto side, especially with Nick Nurse now back, um, that wasn't going to happen. And if I can just go on about losses and more losses and more losses because... These Let's next not games. do that, Kamel. Let's not. Let me mention it. Let me mention it. i got to mention it. Charlotte and Chicago. Two we, need, teams. we need to reach the pit before we climb out of the pit, before we slowly clamber. Yes, that's... Indeed. That's... We, we've got we've, we've dug up a few times, sprinkling Norman Powell and stuff, but, you know, the bright right back down to earth with two back-to-back losses against Charlotte and Chicago. Just absolutely abhorrent performances really I said before the Raptors don't get blown out well they just got blown out three times in five games Um, 114-104 loss to Charlotte that didn't reflect the scoreline of course most of the Raptors points were scored in garbage time Uh, in fact I think a third were scored in garbage time Um, and Chicago 118-95 last night Um, just poor all over the park there's no shot creation uh, there's no defense. Threes aren't going in. There's no spark that you'd expect. And you're right, this is a very low point for any Toronto team. For any franchise, I think this is Nick Nurse's biggest challenge to get this team yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. I know there's three players off, but this is I think this is lower than anyone expected to go. It's 11th place in the East. Yeah. Team, You know, you're looking more towards next year's draft now. Then, no, no, the no, Camille. no, don't. I'm not. Say I still it. believe. I still believe this team can go to this Eastern Conference semifinals, right? But okay, I that's, that's want... maybe a little bit bold. But... <laughs> but semifinal, I think they can win a round. I think they could. They could take a round against Philly, maybe. Maybe. Anyway, um, say let's... one thing. We must Wait. remember, Camille, when we had the last losing streak. I think this was probably like two months ago. I remember you were discussing on the podcast the possibility of trading Larry at that point and saying we may need to blow the season up. And at that stage, I thought, you know what, we this team is healthy and we there are 
a lot of aspects of their play which I thought could have been drastically improved, uh, such as, you know, coaches' decisions when it came to Boucher and Baines. We looked at Siakam really struggling at the start of the season. But yes, we are in a position now where perhaps... I still think this team could still play well. I mean, they were looking like a third or fourth seed. I thought they were going to lock up one of those uh, top four seeds. Um, so they're going to probably play at that level when these guys all come back. But I just think it'll be too late, late by then. They'll end up as the seventh or eighth seed. And I, if it's the Nets and if it's the 76ers, boy, that is going to be very tough. And the issue being, we talked talk about how this team it will struggle against teams that have big centers. And that is the biggest aspect of that 76ers team is that they have that MVP candidate who has um, actually recently, hasn't he sustained an injury? I believe he's injured. He has. He's out for two weeks. But in response to that, um, as we said in, I said two podcasts ago, Aaron Baines had the main job of stopping him and he limited Embiid, I think it was to three of 13 in the second game. And I think it was something like 4 of 14 in the first game. He, he stopped, he stopped mm. Embiid, fine. You know, Baines mm. is not necessarily good, but he's a solid big. He's proving to be a solid big. and no, um, no, he's a good player. He's a good player. But yeah, just not enough. Say, like, despite, <laughs> despite, <laughs> there was despite a silence there. <laughs> no, no, we have been, because we have, we have um, spoken about him negatively early on in the season, but I was, I was a massive fan of him in uh, Boston. Like, I've said 20,000 times, uh, Brad Stevens' player, as long as a player has been playing under him for like two, three years, they end up where whichever team they go to next, they bring certain qualities. It's the Brad Stevens quality, a well coached player. Um, so, yeah, it's these all good players. They're all NBA players at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And um, you're right. Last time we discussed uh, trading up, we were 7 and 12. We just lost to Sacramento, third loss in a row. Um, and shall we have that discussion now, perhaps? I think, yeah, but I think just first, and I think it would help with the um, discussion, especially when we come on to the issue of Lowry. Um, yes. I just want to go through the so-called depth that we have seen this month. So these are March stats. Um, mm-hmm. One argument for not trading Lowry is the presence of Norman Powell. If he, if Lowry's traded, Powell is more than likely to resign because he will have, a, of course, a guaranteed start in the team. In March, he's averaged 27.8 points per game. He's been phenomenal. He's been absolutely astounding. He's taken the Raptors by the scruff of the neck and made games respectable. Um, down the line, of course, you have Boucher, 22 points a game. Lowry, 18.2 points, 18.2 points a game in March. Uh, remember that, of course, Lowry's just played at his level all season. Very consistent. You then have Baines and Terence Davis, both at nine points. Um... There's a lot of minutes for DeAndre Bembry, who's averaging only averaging three assists a game, but we know what he brings in other areas. There's then Henry Ellenson. Uh, you perked up a little bit last time we mentioned him. He's averaging. He's only played a couple of games, but he's averaging 19 minutes, 7.5 points a game, six rebounds, and a couple of assists. Not doing too badly. Looking a bit raw, but looking fine. Utah has totally, as we said, Utah's totally underwhelmed. I don't know what's up with him. He was so good earlier in the season, but he hasn't taken advantage of this, these opportunities that he's played. Um, and he's really, really playing poorly. Otherwise, you see fill, almost filler minutes for the likes of Paul Watson, Matt Thomas, who has really proved to be a dud. And, you know, even someone like me, the biggest fan of Mr. 99%, has pretty much lost faith in him at this point. 
Um, and that's the Raptors' depth so far. And having said that, we should look at the future. And I know we wanted to discuss Kyle Lowry. The trade deadline is coming up. It's 10 days from now, 25th March. If you trade Kyle Lowry, you might have it fine because you've got Van Vliet and Powell now in the backcourt, which is a very good backcourt. More than than enough to secure a good seed in the East. But you lose Kyle Lowry probably for a low package. Um, Well. Expand. um, Firstly, Camille, um, we'll probably have to talk about this towards the end of the season, but uh, what are the chances of Powell staying with the team? I you know he's going to get a quite. He's um, out of contract this off season. I'm correct in saying that. I'm quickly going to check that. Um, but either way, um, it's either this uh, summer or next summer. And let me let me check. I, I don't. I don't want to just be making up making this up. Um, but yeah, he's. We've talked about how undervalued his contract is. By the time his contract comes around. Uh, He's going to probably be offered 15 to even 20 uh, million with how he's playing. I just don't think this team's going to be able to afford that. Yes, so next year is his last season. Um, but yeah, so uh don't know if uh, long-term he's going to be staying here. And on that note, um, one offer sheet, or uh, I'm not sure if this offer has been set in stone, but this is something I read because the Heat have been rumoured with Lowry for quite a while now. Um, to be honest, at least 10 teams would, should probably be uh, linked with him because there's so many teams that are in need of a point guard uh, in these upcoming playoffs. I mean, the, the Clippers and the Phillies. Clippers are a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the Heat had a very interesting offer because I was thinking about this from the Raptors' perspective. It's what kind of uh, players do you want or what kind of package do you want? Do you want a lot of first round picks or do you want young up and coming talent on other teams? Do you want perhaps even two or three veterans because do you think this team with the addition of um, you know um, a free agent maybe not this uh, this coming summer but next summer could take this team over the top Toronto are in a very uh, interesting and perhaps slightly precarious situation so this uh, this package from the Heat was for um, Kendrick Nunn that was the main piece of the package um, who's so he's been pretty good for the Heat, but you know, last year he was excellent. I thought for them, um, he he showed a lot of this potential. I think he's still averaging somewhere around 12, 13, 14 points a season. He's been really year. good uh, when Dragic was out. He was excellent. He was scoring twenty. He had loads of twenty-plus point games. Yeah, there we go. Um, uh, the other players were um, Splash Uncle Kelly Olynyk, who. I think he's been absolutely terrible this year, Kamel. To be uh, fair, last two games, excellent. But before, <laughs> not right. yeah, just to play devil's advocate. Yeah, last two games, excellent. But generally, he's had um, one of the worst uh, performances of any of the NBA players uh, in the whole of the league this year. Um, and I think the last player was Goran Dragic, um, which... If, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that, which is a really interesting package. You've got two playmakers and uh, supposedly a three-point specialist. But going for Kendrick Nunn um, wouldn't be a bad idea. But again, is that really the direction we want to go? You talked about 
Powell and Van Vliet, maybe they're thinking about the fact that Powell may, is unlikely to stay there longer. Um, two $20 million players a year, uh, $20 million a year players you have in Van Vliet and Powell. Are those guys as a backcourt enough to get a championship with this team, especially with Siakam? I would argue no. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of interesting discussions to be made, but again, not sure if none is the answer. I'd, in my opinion, I'd actually like the team to build up some draft capital because that also gives you some flexibility. If you actually want to potentially trade for a superstar, you could, uh, again, this might be blasphemous, you could use maybe you know somebody like Siakam with two picks to trade for somebody. So that's the route I would actually prefer the team to take. No, it's true. And, you know, a lot of people forget when the Raptors were building that 2019 championship side, they ended up whereby, I mean, even trades like giving away a second rounder for Greg Monroe, for example, they ended up giving away a lot of their picks. They ended up giving away a lot of their young players, you know, likes of Jakob Pertl. Um, And it's almost come back to bite them this season and they need to start rebuilding again, as you say. I mean... I think the important point to note is that trading Lowry does not mean that the Raptors are giving up either on this season or next season. No, as you said, no. I mean, that package you just said, that's that's a, that would be a good package in terms of uh, expect probably adding to your expected wins this season, you know, someone like Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah competing now, yeah. So, so, I mean, I think it's an aspect of which direction do you want to go in? Do, are you now preparing for a championship run in 2022-2023? Or yeah. do you want to carry on your sort of middling form now and then see if you can maybe poach a Bradley Beal or something to add to it next year? Right. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. because of course, how did the 2019 championship come along? How did that side come along? It was quite random. You know, I think the yeah. side just took advantage of the fact that Kawhi is unhappy. Um, he dealt, you know, a couple of average players, you know, DeRozan, of course, franchise player, top 30, yeah, yeah. top 30 player. So he dealt what, a top 30 player and a decent young player and a second round pick for a top five player in the league. Um, and he just took advantage of that. And, you know, you remember that run was was a magical run for a reason because it was so unexpected. Yeah. So, um, you know, you don't necessarily expect to get that chance for another few years. But if you're going to trade him, it's, you, you, it's, it just depends what direction you want to go in. I would obviously I think... go in. Let's let's keep challenging now. Let's maybe get you know a couple of younger. You know, if you can get a, a Duncan Robinson style player, you're not going to get Duncan Robinson. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, you're not no, going to get Tyler. Uh, yeah. But if you got you know someone like that, you know maybe 24, 25, who's proven himself for a year or two. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And to say, are you? It's all to ask. Are you? Of the opinion that he should be traded i i certainly am for his sake yes because he should have another go at a ring he got his first one very late he should have another go at one i think if he's traded to philly or the clippers that's his chance to get number two so it's for his sake i think i mean let's face it <laughs> he sake. sold his house I, I like that <laughs> he sold his house in toronto right three weeks ago he sold it oh um, wow Didn't yeah he's old at a loss let me add in, mm. So, shows down market at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and his, his sentiment con- aside, I think just from a purely basketball perspective, this I always find find this with players of like 33, 34. Sell them. Yeah. Sell them. You're going to get a couple of years left. More years out of them. Yeah. 
I just, I, just, I mean, and the way... And you're not going to win a championship. You are not going to win no. a championship with this team. So, you so, it's, just, unf- you have so to. it's unfair to you. It's stopping younger players. You know, remember, someone like yeah. Norman Powell, what is he, 26, 27? You want to give him as many minutes as he can. You want him to develop yeah. the best player he can in the next couple of years. Getting into his prime. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, for his sake, for Raptors' sake, um, you know, maybe trade him to a team in the West. I think that just would be better. I mean, trading him to Philly... Probably, you know, he's he's of course he's a he's a North Philly guy, right, Lowry? Um, and trading him back would be going back home, but it would be quite an insult. And you know, it's a tra- trading someone to a division rival is pretty pretty poor form, if I'm honest. Should always be cross conference, but that's that's more sentiment than anything. Of course, Kyle Lowry said, whatever happens, he will retire Raptor, whether it's on a one day contract or whether he could stays here the rest of his life. He's mm-hmm. gonna retire Raptor, and his jersey, man, his jersey's gonna be first in the rafters. So, um, shout out Kyle. We did a little poll, I think, on um, our Twitter, and the majority agreed. Trade Kyle. You know, if you get a good package, yeah. trade him. Depends on that, but legend of a man. Don't that sniff. Has to be done. Don't sniff. Um, interestingly enough, when we said trade prospects for Lowry, we didn't mention any bigs because. I wanted to mention that because there is one available big that could be another good poach from the Spurs. And of course, that is LaMarcus Aldridge. And uh, Pop recently announced that they would no longer <laughs> they they would no they would no longer be playing essentially. He he is he is DN, DNP for the whole season. Mm-hmm. And we did another Twitter poll on this and 80% of you said that you should sign we should sign Lamarcus Aldridge on a vet min. Wow. Only 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 twenty percent said, you know, uh it's just not worth it. But you know you got a you, you want a big oh, on the vet the min, okay, sorry. Vet min, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um so that's just about I just want to hear your thoughts of course. You've been you've been watching the league a long time. You probably saw Lamarcus in his prime. Um yeah, is he too is he just too banged up though? Is he too old? Um doesn't really solve many of the team's problems um the lack of a big yeah but in terms of defensively you talk about aaron baines maybe um with how he stopped and but that that aldridge is not only in the post does he struggle he is completely immobile you need to hide him on defense especially when it comes to like uh premise guards um forcing the switch onto him uh but offensively, um, he could find a niche for himself, like you know Carmelo Anthony, uh, those kind of players, because he's also no longer the type of player you can give the ball ten times to in the post, and he's going to get give you an efficient, um, you know, like 15, 20 points. Lamarcus is no longer that type of player. But um, if he focuses on the three ball, if he just um, finds the ball in the flow of the offense. Definitely, Lamarcus is unbelievably talented. He's he's the Michael Jordan power forward when he was in his prime. Just the, the his ability to make that mid ranger so so effortlessly is beautiful to watch. Honestly, um, so for the vet min, yeah, you'd be absolutely stupid not to take somebody like Lamarcus. He's not a lock. He's not uh, you know a toxin in the locker room. I'm sure that kind of experience, that, um, not be massively experienced in the playoffs, but just league experiences that he's had. Uh, would help this team so uh, 
yeah, we'd love to have him, I think. Even for more than the bet minimum, I think he's still worth that kind of money. Like, you're giving him six, seven million a year, he's certainly worth that kind of money. Uh, he's not completely washed. So, yeah, I would love him on the team. True. I mean, uh, you're right. It's a no brainer, I think, for us, but it's whether he can fit into Nick. Would he want to come? Why, why would he want to come here, though? Because I think he'd want to compete as well. True. Maybe, maybe, true. It's not a challenger, is it? You know, he would get minutes, but. What's he going to achieve? Like again, he might yeah. help them get into the playoffs, but I think he's reaching the stage of his career where he's going to do a Blake Griffin and just go to one of the contenders. Yeah, I mean, I was literally just about to bring Blake up, and uh, yep, mm. he, he missed his chance. Lamarcus missed his chance. Blake is going to win that ring this year, or at least get to the finals this year. Lamarcus might be a better fit for that team than Blake, even. Yeah, well, we'll let's see. Blake, I mean, I don't think Blake's hardly going to play. We, we, we might yet see the Nets still sign Lamarcus. You know, especially if. <laughs> injury issues continue you never know with they're that they're trying to find every team. single um, all-star who was great in 2014-15 it's just they're trying to build the super roster from that era good god well you know that, that Nets experiment is something we'll come on, come on to I think next time the Raptors yeah, for play sure. them is uh, it's not it's not too far the 22nd of April um, maybe yeah, they'll we'll have won a game that. by then maybe, maybe the Raptors will win one by then but mm, that's what count our horses Yep, you never know. We have, to finish off, to round off this podcast, we have a fan question who has kindly been subbed in. Uh, this is from The Answer, at The Answer Bets. Go and follow him on Twitter. Royal, you're, uh, you're the man to answer this question. What is the ceiling for this Phoenix Suns team? Spit your spiel. Do you know what, Kamel? We've been asked this question... Because not a single media outlet has decided to cover this team. People have been begging for the likes of ESPN, for podcasts, just to discuss the Phoenix Suns. And for whatever reason, they what's happened there, Cavell? I'm Go sorry. The Phoenix Suns are 25 and 12. What? Have you... No, what, no, no. What, no is no, that no, better I, or worse than you expected? I have fallen into the trap of thinking they are perennial lower seed team. What? is going on Kamel there yeah wow okay there are you need, hey, you, you need to catch team, me up Kamel. on this you need to catch me and I think the rest of the media and the rest of the world up on this because no no there, there are many people who are aware of how good they are um, right explain to the uh, unenlightened among us please why no, what's happened look it, it's pissing me off because it's the same thing the same treatment that the Utah Jazz got for about four seasons now and I've kept saying this is a very good team this Utah team we're going to speak about them next week we need to speak about them for half we an will. hour we two will. hours four yes. hours I don't yes. care how long promise promise I will be like a preacher in a holy place look this this Phoenix team gained Chris Paul and they lost the likes of you know Kelly Oubre some some of the players who did actually have a big impact for them last year people were having uh, questioning you know is this team actually going to get better or worse with Chris Paul coming onto the team with what they lost and again at that point I was oh, I already thought this is absurd Chris Paul now everyone is saying oh Chris Paul has made every single team he gets on better but it, people weren't saying it before he went onto the team they saw what he did with the Thunder but they thought oh maybe this Houston team underachieved but then you see Westbrook go there and you see how poorly they played and when Chris Paul was there they pretty much should have beaten the Warriors with Kevin Durant 
but the narrative on Chris Paul has been horrible for the past like set eight nine years people just even during the Clippers because the Clippers underachieved they just forget he's during the Clippers period he's one of the top five players in the league but he wasn't being discussed like that because they weren't winning but um man Chris Paul is unbelievable unbelievable watch this team play on offense this offense it's unlike Utah because Utah is not playing Barcelona-esque Spurs San, San Antonio-esque beautiful basketball with the ball movement it's just, with the cutting it's just beautiful what Clint Schneider's made here I've made there but what Phoenix has done is incredibly just efficient just fake cutting to the basket the guy gets a, just an open three Chris Paul brings a ball up he receives a screen shoots from the mid-range Booker brings a ball up he uh, two dribbles pull up mid-ranger this Phoenix Suns team has taken way more mid-rangers this season, uh, taken way fewer dunks and layups, yet they're far more efficient when it comes to scoring from the field because they have elite mid-range scorers and they've just simplified the offense. Uh, they're not turning the ball over at all. This is uh, Chris Paul's his, probably his biggest strength. Um, I saw another video discuss this, but his assist to turnover ratio is just outstanding. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't 3.7. Make mistakes. 3.7 assist turnovers this season. Excellent. As you and I think career, in his career, he's, he got, he's maybe the second or the third highest assist turnover ratio out of all NBA players ever. This is this this has just been Chris Paul for his career. He's just, he's so, he doesn't make risky passes the like LeBron makes or Westbrook makes. Those guys go for you know, the make or break passes, which you kind of have to admire that as well. But Chris Paul just makes, or he'll always make the smart pass. And please, I beg of everyone just to watch these this team offensively. Because I've talked about Booker and Chris Paul. Um, Aiton has taken a back seat because Aiton is that low post player. This team doesn't really need that. They, they're not scoring in that manner. They're not... Um, they're not setting pick and rolls like they, they were doing with Rubio last year. That was a, a primary mode of their offense was Ru- Rubio pick and roll. The guy who's defending Rubio, he goes under the screen, gives him all the space in the world. That clogs up the paint. Even Aiton, he had the second highest usage rate last year. Even he um, was struggling to eat with uh, Rubio on the team. And you think to yourself, you get Chris Paul. Oh, that's going to give Aiton all the space in the world because they can't sag under those screens. But you know what? This team hasn't been using pick and rolls uh, and it hasn't been utilizing Aiton because guess what? They've been using Dario Saric, even though Dario Saric was injured uh, during the primary or the early stages of this season. He's now here and he was playing um, the clutch minutes in recent games instead of Aiton. And um, he's been, he's looked absolutely phenomenal for this team. He's almost shooting 50-40-90, by the way, Dario Saric is. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. I think it's 48% from the field, 92% from the free throw line. I, I believe I'm right in saying this. He's, he, can, he can assist. He's a very good defender. He's not exceptional, but he he's good at rotating. He's not too slow on the feet. He can defend in the post. He, he looks like an absolute stud. You have Mikhail Bridges, who is now... People are making comparisons with Kawhi Leonard and how Kawhi Leonard's career progressed. I don't think Mikhail Bridges is 
uh, is the defender that Ka- Kawhi Leonard was in his third year. Kawhi was, even by that stage, was absolutely phenomenal. This is 2013-14, before he was incredible. Before Kawhi was incredible in 2014-15. But Mikel has also, you know, the reason they made the comparisons is because he's starting to add uh, these shots in the mid-range. I think he's probably being mentored by the likes of Chris Paul to try and find his spots in the mid-range. And uh, so he's added that to his game as well as upping his three-point percentage. So people are talking about Mikel Bridges and the kind of contract extension that he's going to be expecting in, I think his rookie contract is up for maybe in two years. Um, but so yeah, um, clearly my enthusiasm, I, it's evidently would have shone through as I spoke about this team. It's not quite the Utah Jazz. They're not on the Utah Jazz level. No team is on the Utah Jazz level. But this team could, uh, they could trouble anyone in the playoffs. Like, right, you gotta, could... you're gonna make your pro- bold prediction now. Which round are they ending up in? Because we know they're not going to beat the Lakers. I think we both agree on that. Right. Well, so How so far do they go? They, this depends. No, but the problem with all of our predictions is this, it's so, there's so many. It depends. <laughs> the reason it depends is if they're playing the Clippers in round two, I've got the Suns over the Clippers. Absolutely got the Suns over the Clippers because I trust Booker more than... Uh, well, maybe not more than Kawhi, mm. but um, no Kawhi slander on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, but but if they're playing the Lakers in the second round, you you have to have the Lakers. But imagine that we get that in the second round, Kamel. Imagine we get the Utah Jazz versus the Lakers in the second round, and the Clippers Suns in the second round. Like, and that's a very real possibility. And that the the Lakers road to the finals at that point is daunting. It must be said. Yeah, I mean, both obviously both Utah and the Suns, their front offices, their coaching, like their recruitment, how they've put the rosters together has just been, it's been excellent over the last couple of years. Um, last couple of years, importantly, because yeah. this Utah team has not changed from last year. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're it's just reaping the rewards for it. Do not worry, Varel, because the Raptors play Utah Jazz on Saturday, and we oh, will. Yeah. I think we'll. I think we'll just pre-name next episode. You know, uh, that blowout against Utah or something like that. Uh, obviously, the blowout loss. I'm very worried for Saturday, just for the <laughs> mental health of of the Raptors squad here, uh, especially if Van Vliet, Oji, and Siakam continue to be out. But I think we will wrap it up there. Um, it's been a difficult week. If you're a Raptors fan, it's not been easy. But, you know, if you've been a Raptors fan since 1995, you're very, very much used to this. Uh, you know, this this is what it was like. Go on, man. Kamel, should we quickly wrap up? This is just a one-minute thing, just as a feel-good thing. Um, Karis LeVert. Oh, big time, man. You know, when it was revealed initially that he, he had, like, a small mass, I believe it was in his kidney... Yeah, it was yeah. just I mean it was devastating right he's such yeah. a such a good player seems like a good guy as well um, and I think we're all worried that that was the end of his NBA career right. or obviously possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. worse you know is, you don't yeah, know what yeah, it's going to do to help yeah. Um, but yeah no uh, you can you can say you know did you did you see his return um, you saw did you see his return what, what he did you know go, go ahead go ahead it's been 43 days I couldn't believe it they paid him like uh over 20 minutes uh, and the coach said we're not going to put a minutes restriction on him I, I thought this guy's got to be a little bit like <laughs> a little bit twisted like 
most people think oh you know i've just i've just come back from cancer and like to be to be able to do that like i don't know the mental strength that required but um yeah that that was awesome man when i saw that i was like that was so firstly obviously we're very happy that it's healthy but um to be able to come back and actually play a considerable amount of time like after 43 days out like just crazy crazy yeah, well, it's a feel-good story to end. Uh, of course, what we've said has been a difficult, difficult, well, month for the Raptors so far. Next up, of course, Detroit once again. Time to get revenge on Wayne Ellington and the gang. Then, of course, you've got the famous Utah game, and I think we're all looking forward to that just to see... Utah Utah versus Utah. Versus, yes, yes. Um, and we see all the ways that this Jazz side can dissect the weaknesses of Toronto. And then you've got Cleveland, which will be an interesting matchup right at the bottom mm. of the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Uh, Veraldo, welcome back, man. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Veraldo's been learning his trade, how to stop this podcast from getting all the libel claims we do for insulting so many players and coaches. So Only, uh, reason, only reason I study it, Kamal. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the reason. I mean, but yeah, once again, thanks Kamal for tuning in. Kamal into it. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, if you need free legal counsel, our Twitter DMs are open. So um, no, no, they're not. But uh, yeah, catch you all next week. <laughs> See you around, guys.